Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. So we're back with our seventh episode to talk about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. Uh, This week, we're focusing on transparency and accuracy with a particular focus on how the COVID-19 deaths are being presented to the public, something that I noticed earlier in the week. So we'll come on to that in a second. And then right at the end, we've got a bit of exciting news to share with you. So Kelly... I don't know if you spotted on Twitter earlier this week, but there was a bit of a storm on Monday when the daily deaths were reported. And they seemed there's a bit of inconsistency in that the number of daily deaths and the cumulative total compared to the previous day didn't seem to add up. And so people were a little bit confused by that. Yeah, and um, I know that it certainly exercised you. So I hadn't, I hadn't noticed it until I saw you post something on Twitter and then it intrigued me for me to look into it. So tell us a little bit more. So yeah, um, essentially all the way along, I've been quite interested in in tracking the daily deaths. It's quite, you know, being a data geek, thanks to you. Mm -hmm. I've just tracked it. It's it's interesting to follow and understand a little bit behind what the figures are. And so there was a definite shift in what the figures meant on Monday. And I thought it would just be useful to discuss what the differences have been through the through the whole period of the daily death reporting. Because I think it's very easy for people to take a number at face value and then potentially also get a bit confused about, well, why does that not actually add up and then we can talk a little bit about why certain decisions might have been made so when right back at the beginning i was looking at the figures and kind of noticed that it all did make sense so there's lots of different ways of reporting it and the one that we get through the government um at the daily press briefings comes from the department of health and social care and what they are reporting at the beginning, what they were reporting was daily deaths in hospital where there had been a positive test for coronavirus. So just in a hospital setting, but it was daily recorded deaths. And that was the little bit that really interested me was that word recorded. And that's what intrigued me to look a little bit closer. And when you looked at it, so I think I looked at it probably about three or four weeks in. It was actually not necessarily the deaths that had happened the previous day, but deaths have been reported the previous day. And so that would include deaths right back for a couple of weeks, depending how quickly it had got through the processes of being reported. But each day, any new reported deaths was being reported. Hospital setting with a positive test for COVID-19. That's right, yeah. And then from the 29th of April, that parameter was extended to include deaths in beyond hospitals so in community settings and care homes again where there had been a positive test for COVID-19 so it didn't include suspected cases. And that was because people were raising the concerns that they felt even at that time there was an under-reporting of the deaths in this country. Yeah that's right and I think it brought us into line with the other UK countries because Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland were already doing that so that brought England into line with everybody else making it more comparable and so there the interesting thing for me to note is that actually if you looked at at those figures as they were reported you would obviously see a sudden increase on the 29th and after because you would be getting more data than you'd previously had and the parameters had changed. So you have to be aware when you're looking at data like this that if something changes halfway through reporting, you need to know that because otherwise you could look and think, oh my God, what happened on the 29th of April that suddenly had this massive increase in, in reported deaths? And actually it's not something about what happened, it's something about how the reporting changed. So, and what I just think it's probably worth saying here as well is it's the reason that we've got these daily reported death is that it helps government and the different bodies managing the pandemic to react quickly the way that 
the Office of National Statistics reports deaths. There's an 11 day time lag to get the official actual registration through for them to do the analysis on what's actually mentioned on the death certificate and in the ONS reported deaths. So that comes out with about an 11 day delay but it also will again include more information because they include not only COVID-19 positive tests but a doctor will also include where it's suspected to have played a part so it will be either direct cause or an underlying cause. So it's anything where COVID-19 is mentioned on the death certificate, which could be either hard firm test or a suspected uh, influence of the disease on the individuals. So again, that would look like there's going to be more deaths there because there'll be deaths that haven't been included in the daily deaths and the parameters there. So you get more accurate data looking back and historically to allow you look and say, well, what's actually been the path of the, the virus? How is it spread in the pandemic? But in the actual heat of dealing with it you need more timely information and so that's why they were using the um, they use the daily deaths and daily recorded deaths interestingly if you do want to actually see death by date nhs england release that on a daily basis and they will actually report those figures by date of death so you can actually look at there's those three different streams of data that allows you to understand different paths and different the actual figures that you can then break down if you're interested in actually looking into it a a little bit more. So if you're geeky like us and you want to know more about the the reason for the deaths and the number of deaths, not because it's morbid, because actually it's actually incredibly informative um, from a public health perspective. I think it's looking at all the data available makes it a richer source and a more accurate source of information. Yeah, and you absolutely get to understand the reasons behind why the different institutions are looking at data in different ways, the reasons for it. You actually get to understand the parameters that they're using. The um, the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine, who are based here in Oxford, they've got some interesting articles, again, around the different reporting um, and why looking at the date of death is interesting. And they will also include then in the reported deaths, how where those dates where those deaths have actually occurred. Mm-hmm. So you can see if you look at the first of June, which is obviously the date that kind of caught my attention this week, they there was 108 deaths in hospitals reported. Um, and when they looked at it, 79% of them had occurred within the last seven days by the date of death. And then there were some that um, stretched back over the previous the previous two to three weeks, I think it was. So mm-hmm. you really then can get that picture of in that figure, how much time has that been spread over, which allows you to think a little bit more about the actual actual peak of the pandemic. And when you look at the date of death, the highest peak was on the 8th of April. So what was it that particularly exercised you when you saw this at the beginning of this week was you like, wow, we need to really talk about transparency this week so that people understood why, why we're vexed about this. Yeah, so I think it was just interesting to note that at the point that we are coming out of lockdown and the the rules are being relaxed a bit and the government have an interest in trying to show that their their actions are working and that daily deaths are coming down. Mm-hmm. And on Monday they chose to just report in that daily death briefing 
day the deaths that had been reported as on the day before but not including they were deaths on that date rather than all the deaths that had been reported through so they changed the parameters in what they were reporting and I felt like it fit the narrative that they wanted to be putting out there and because many people will take data based on the face value and the figures and won't necessarily question it then it's easy to confuse people or paint the picture that you want to paint with the data that you choose to reveal and for me it's really important when we're in situations like this or or any situation you can very easily as somebody who understands data and wants to present certain picture choose the figures that you want to present and make public and put a story around and you can do that in such a way that it's not necessarily consistent with what might have been presented before. And so I think there's a responsibility to be very clear and transparent about the reason that you change parameters, but also the fact that the parameters have changed so that when you look at the data and you compare it, whether that's the data you're comparing with the previous day or the previous month, even when we're comparing ourselves to other countries across Europe, it's very hard for us to genuinely do that because we we might be reporting more or in terms of the deaths in the community, they might just be reporting deaths in hospitals. It, it's very different even from a perspective of um, the different makeup of the population. So there might be a, an older population in Italy uh, or a, a different com- composition of the population in Spain that makes it very, very hard for you to compare country by country. And those comparisons will be made and the press will make them people because naturally when you see figures, you just compare the hard crude figures and without understanding what lies beneath them, you can paint a very misleading picture either on purpose or inadvertently. And so for me, it's always one of those things that you have to be really careful of when you're looking at data. Um, You need to understand the parameters of what has been collected and why it's been collected and the way it's presented. It's very important to then just clearly set out what you're talking about and why and i know you're you're one of the people when you look at the adverts and you you get that kind of blase 80 percent of people think that this product is amazing and then you look down at the figures and it's you know you know five people out of um you know eight have said that they they love this product so i think you're right i think it's clearly something that is very exercised you it gets me every time i think the you know summarizing it is that you know, we have to understand the underlying data that feeds that figure and not just assume that the percentage or the number is accurate because it might be what someone feels they can present at that time. So if you want a true figure of the impact of this pandemic, you have to look at all the available uh, data sources that are out there. And don't be afraid to ask the question. I don't understand why that's changed. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's about understanding the caveats that come uh, along yeah. with all data that's that's collected, that there might be, for example, um, even with the testing data, it's there might be false negatives. So somebody might have actually contracted the virus and died, but because the test wasn't done properly or it didn't come up with the right result, you might still get something that isn't fully accurate, but it allows you to make decisions along the way. So clearly you could talk about this for a lot longer. This is going to be the longest podcast that we've had where I've probably spoke for about a maximum of a minute. That doesn't happen very often. (laughs) 
So glory in uh, what Regina has to say is very valid and very important. But we've also got, um, as you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, some really exciting news because we want to be practical and because we want to give useful pieces of advice to people. Over the last two years, we've developed a couple of tools that we think will be really useful for data protection leads or data protection officers. And we are launching our drumroll toolbox on the 15th of June. So watch this space. We'll be releasing a few more teasers over the next few days, but it will be practical and we hope that you'll find it very beneficial. Absolutely. It's been really fun working on it and trying to pull together our expertise into something that people can dip into and find what they need at the moment that they need it to actually apply in their own organisation. So hopefully it'll be um, good for for people to explore and have a look at. And uh, there, as Kelly says, there'll be more coming in the coming days. And if you're interested um, in that, um, do send us uh, an email at coffee at dbxuk.com. Uh, or if you have any questions or want to challenge what we've discussed today, again, uh, do email us. But that's a wrap for uh, today, Regina. So thank you very much. Um, it's been awesome talking about it. And I'm looking forward to another coffee session uh, next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs>